welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is season four, episode five. It is Sunday, February 6th, and you are listening to the Nationally Ranked Sports Card Podcast. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host for this Fine Five program, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host of life, Mr. Drew Pelto. Welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be on here, as always. Drew, I know you posted a new video on YouTube. Why don't you let people know how they can find you on YouTube? Yeah, if you just look up Drew's Autographs on YouTube, or if you go to youtube.com slash Drew Pelto, also, you can find it, everything like that through my website. You can find my YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook stuff at dfwgrapher.com. Should have links to everything here and links also to the uh, to TTM cast and to our radio show as well. Cool. Yeah. And you mentioned our radio show. It's called it's called the Sports Collectors Club or Sports Collectors Club. Is it on SportsMap Radio Network? It is uh, shown broadcast every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, and they've been repeating it from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. as well on Sunday. So it's it, it's shown it's broadcast every Sunday. It's called Sports Collectors Club. Go to sportscollectorsclub.com to learn more about the show. And you can go if you don't have a Sports Map Radio uh, station in your area, you can go and download the Sports Map Radio app in your app store, and you can listen to the show uh, on Sunday mornings. That's what I do. When and Drew, I think. Uh, I know you, you're you in Dallas. You listen to the show in in, uh, in Dallas, so it's pretty cool. It's on 110 stations all across the country. We talk a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff that we talk about here at uh, DTM Cast, but we also have some different content as well. And, of course, we have our podcast, which we post a new podcast every Sunday. Drew, we are in the winter doldrums here in Massachusetts, and I think you're, you're experiencing a little of that in, in Texas. It's February is February and there's no way around it, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're getting it bad here. We, uh, my wife, her uh, office actually closed on both Thursday and Friday. So we both were working from home those days. She had this whole setup going on, on our uh, living room table here and everything. And yeah, I mean, it's, I was able to get out and drive around a little bit both days at least there, but, uh, first day roads were pretty bad. I was, you know, fishtailing a bit at all the uh, stoplights and everything coming out of those, Second day, though, everything started to melt off now. And now today it's looking good, but I know there's a melt and refreeze overnight. So it's like, yeah, my band canceled our show for tonight because of that. And uh, I don't know what else is still closed and everything. But yeah, it uh, kind of sucks right now for that for a couple of days there. So uh, hopefully things get back to normal, though, here. Uh, hopefully mail is still being delivered. I know I, I didn't have anything in the mail Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. So hoping maybe that'll change today and I'll actually get uh, I'm supposed to have a package of some cards coming today. So. Hopefully they've got that together at least and get it out here. Very cool. Yeah. The only good part about this crappy weather is that uh, I get to concentrate on cards. I've been doing a lot of organizing of cards. I got a bunch of TTM stuff out. I'm actually going to a, a show tomorrow in Rhode Island, which would be Sunday. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday the 5th. So uh, we'll report back to that about that uh, next week. But other than, other than concentrating on cards and collecting this crappy weather stinks but we guys uh huddle up stay warm we have a great show for you guys this week 
We have two interviews, uh, a lot of content. We have Jeff Owens. Jeff is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. And he talk, we talk about uh, what's going on in the hobby, what his plans are for the magazine. And it's a really great interview. And then uh, we'll have uh, an interview with Ryan Nolan. Ryan uh, wrote a brand new book, and we talked. We've talked about it last week. It's called um, "Spotting Fakes," and it's all about spotting the 50 most common bogus cards, cards that have been uh, counterfeited. It's a 188-page book. We talked to uh, Ryan about his book as well about his great uh, content. He creates great videos on breakout cards uh, on YouTube. So we're going to talk to Ryan. Uh, in Baker's Dozen, and then we also have all our, uh, our regular segments, and next week we'll have the president of AnyLot.com, his name is Barack Adut, so we have all sorts of stuff for you this week, and stuff next week, we have all our regular segments, stick around, we have a great show for you, coming up next is Baker's Dozen. <laughs> Baker's Dozen is a summary, a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. And uh, I, really, I want to get right to uh, Ryan Nolan. Ryan, again, Ryan wrote a great book. It's called Spit, Spotting Fakes. It's available on uh, uh, Amazon. It's a, a fairly inexpensive book. It's less than $20. It's a 188-page book. I've written the, uh, I've read the book. It is fantastic. So we talked to Ryan about his uh, book, about, how he, uh, about fakes, which has been kind of rampant in the, in the uh, hobby lately and we talk about the arrest in dallas and we also talk about his great youtube channel uh which is called breakout cards so please enjoy my interview with ryan nolan joining the show is ryan nolan ryan is an author he just read, wrote a new book called squatting fakes and he is a youtuber he has a great youtube channel it's called breakout cards we're going to talk about ryan's new book and, and talk about his youtube channel and kind of what's been going on in the hobby in the last couple of weeks ryan is right in the forefront of this. He's been covering it. And luckily, he actually wrote a book on Spotting Fakes. So welcome to the program, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. I know uh, anytime you write a book, it, you know, there's something that spurs you on. There's something that's personal about it. And you kind of got faked out with the card. And that's kind of what drove you to start uh, exploring and learning more about this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it started last January 21. So I go to shows all the time. And I know the extent of how bad fakes were out there. And I bought a lot off this guy and inside, or not a lot, but I bought a single off this guy. It was a Mario Lemieux rookie card. And it was a cheap Lemieux card. It was under $100. So I ended up buying the card. I go home, I make a YouTube video covering my recaps on the show, the Clearwater Card Show. And one of my subscribers reaches out and says, hey, I hate to be that, but uh, your Mario Lemieux card is fake. And I'm thinking... There's no way it's fake. It's a super cheap card. It's under $100. I know people make fake Gretzky's. I know people make fake Jordans. There's the fake Pete Rose card. And obviously they make some fake pre-war cards like the Gaudis, but man, no one's making a fake Mario Lemieux. It's not a super expensive card. Okay, so yep. you can look at the smaller details on the Penguin, the borders, and also the eye. So I loaded up an image of a real one that's been graded. I loaded up an image of the one that I had. I put it up as well. And the card was fake. And I was like, holy crap, I bought a fake card. And I thought I was screwed. Uh, generally, I didn't know what was going to happen. Luckily, I ran into the dealer later on and got my money back. But that whole situation scared me. And I knew if that happened to me, and I've been in the hobby for a while, I need to go out there and help educate other people. So as I traveled to card shows and just 
learning online, I learned tons of information about fake cards. And I just started creating YouTube videos about fake cards, you know, what to spot for a fake card versus a real card and just build up my knowledge over time. I saw fakes in person, documented those and, you know, eventually came to the time to start writing a book about it as I was learning and was able to produce. I wrote it all the time during lunch at work and also at nights when I wasn't editing videos. And now it's a tool for people to use and become educated on counterfeits out there. I'm really happy with where it's going. You know, it's funny because I've been doing TTM now for four, four and a half years. And like you, I just started posting all my TTM requests, right? Not realizing that that some of these TTM requests that, you know, their wives sign it or their friends sign it or, you know, somebody else signs it. And, and somebody would point out a fake or, or oh, that's an auto pen. And, and I was taken back. I'm like, really? You know, someone, you know, someone that that's so nondescript that, you know, why, why, why would, uh, you know, Joe Schmo have his wife sign a card that's worth like two dollars? You know, it, it's just yeah, it's, it it, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. And even and if you're on the side things, there's tons of fake autos out there, which I would have never thought of. Like people will go all the way to make the fake certifications on the cards themselves and sign fake autographs. It's it's insane world out there right now. Well, I mean, really, this this thing all came to a head uh, in Dallas, right? With the, the arrest, you guys, you did a great, covered it fantastically on your YouTube channel, Breakout uh, Cards. Why don't you let people know, um, maybe they, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast and maybe they've seen, seen a, a post here and there, but why don't you, why don't you give a rundown of what's happened, what pe- what we know about what's happened with Dallas and, and the, the arrests that were made? Yeah, so it actually started a few months right before Dallas. There's people passing off fake slabs and shows in Las Vegas, also in Philly and in Clearwater. And all that information ended up helping for what happened in Dallas. So what happened in Dallas at trade night, this guy ends up pawning off two fake cards to someone. I think it was around $4,000. And the guy alerts a security guard. The whole room gets shut down. People are posting all this information online. And no one knows anything that's going on. People are saying there, there's fake Jordans, there's fake slabs. Like no one really knows. Uh, there's so much misinformation online all across the board. And, um, you know, I took a look at the slabs themselves and found them both to be fake. But the kicker is that these fakes on these slabs were the same people that were scamming at these other card shows. And I knew the dealers that got scammed because I looked at their slabs in person. and like, all right, these are fake. And it was the same exact type of slab. So we're able to match those slabs because they use the same exact certification number between all the different shows and use the same exact cards. So we're able to line up these people that were passing off the fakes across multiple different states, which is the crazy thing. So I made two videos on it talking about first how the slabs and the cards themselves were fake and then the second video interviewing those people and also adding a correction. That first video, I, I was told from people that were on the floor, uh, Unfortunately, I was at the show, but didn't make it to trade night that like the Mike Baker stickers on them didn't have foil. And I knew if they didn't have foil, they were fakes. But Mike Baker actually looked at those stickers at the end of the night and verified those are his stickers and the Jordans inside those cards are real. So my own theory is they cracked real Jordans, got the NBA sticker on them. They're going to sell those. But now they have the real flips and are going to be putting them in their next generation of fake cards. It's so... um weird that it, that it's, it's come to this i mean there's so much money in the hobby right these cards are worth so much and you know you're saying that uh, a rookie mario lemieux which is a hundred dollars or 150 dollar card and now they're faking those do you think it's really um 
that rampant the hobby that that there are, what do you think? Do you think there's, you know, 50,000 fake cards out there or 100,000 fake cards? Do we know? I think, I think in the Michael Jordans alone of 86 Fleer, there's at least 50,000. There's more fakes that are posted online of that card than are actually public graded legitimately, which is the scary part of it. I mean, that shows you see literally stacks of fake Jordans that aren't even marked as a, as a reprint or a counterfeit. It's, it's bad because people out there don't have great intentions and they'll deceive others that aren't as informed in the hobby that these cards are real and scam them out of money. I've seen it happen so many times. And that's why this knowledge and it's so important to educate people out there on what to look out for fakes or how to authenticate a card because without that, people are going to get scammed. Well, I know just like in the unopened market, right? There's all sorts of fake uh, 86 flare packs out there and all sorts of uh, fake you know, 75 tops was a big one that that's been uh, faked and it, there's just a lot of that but I never really thought of just cards being faked I've seen I remember back in the 80s that uh, there was a big run on Pete Rose rookie cards yeah. that were faked the 60s and, that got seized by the FBI yep and I remember six the 68 Ryans those being faked um, but I, it, I, I didn't think it was that much of a problem but you know you really have kind of brought it out to the, the, the forefront. And, um, you know, what are some of the cards that you personally have seen that, that are fake that, that uh, you know, you're, you've compiled for, for your book? Yeah, so I have a few here. Um, not all these are in the book, but just to show you like how widespread it is. First, as a 1970 Johnny Bench, it's not even his rookie. His rookie's in 68, of course, has the rookie cup in 69 that people love, but this is a third year bench, 100% fake. Next, here's a Reggie Jackson. I did talk about this one in the book, but yep. not, a, not a super expensive car that you would think is fake. People think, obviously, the Mantle 52 or 51 would be fake, which I have one right here just to show you as an example. But in general, like you would think it's always the high ticket value items. Those are the ones you have to be careful for. But today, it's everything. And like the funny part with this one, I didn't talk about it, but you can see how someone tried damaging it to make it look like it was a really old. Yep. Crazy. Um, other ones, for example, like a Bucky Harris Gowdy from 36, not a super expensive card. Who would think they would think of Bucky Harris? I know he's a Hall of Famer, but a Ted Williams caliber player. Next, obviously, this is a Joe Namath, big money card, but not normal size cardboard, kind of like the Bucky Harris, right? Like, yeah, the 65 tall boy baked out there. And that's the scary hobby is. Um, have you had a chance to talk to any of the any people that have created these fakes uh, and kind of interviewed them on the on uh, you know anonymously? I have not, so I don't want to really do that just because of the education side of things. I'm sure a few of them watch videos to see like what I'm covering, but I have not talked to anyone, at least that I'm aware of. But there is people that have messaged me asking if cards are real or fake, and by the time they fit whether they're fake, they argue with me. But I know they're fake. I've seen the fakes. How do you, you know, there's all sorts of ways to tell fake as a, as a layman, you're at a card show and what, what are the, 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 the things to the, the, the red light things that people should worry about? They're at a, they're at, they're at a card show, you know, you want to buy a 71 Nolan Ryan for whatever, $75. So with the 71, first you want to make sure to check the borders because people use a black Sharpie and then try to fill that in. For damage yep. so that's the first thing i'd recommend with that card but really look at the surface of the card feel it look at the thickness of the card use a light test on it also if you have one of these black lights really helpful as well if you can get into dark area make sure that card does not glow because it is an older stock of cardboard it should not be bright on that side of things you can also use a loop like this 
take a look at the card itself. If it's pixelated, you know it's a newer card. It is photocopied, should not be pixelated. How um how are, how do people you know how how do people that that are kind of laymen like me and and you look at it? Do you think is the is the low price the 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 point where it's like okay if this is below below book value is, 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 is this thing might be fake or you know do you see you know you see five cards the same cards at a, a dealer is that is that what you were you looking that it might be fake what you know because these some a lot of times and, and i'm going to give the the dealer the benefit of the doubt they might have four or five cards that, that they don't know are fake right or they don't i mean i just say like be careful with what you buy it always takes just a few seconds of extra research and just looking at a card i mean be patient. Don't be impulsive and just buy something because it's a really good deal. You can find those great deals out there. I'm not saying they don't exist. They do because there's dealers that underprice things. There's dealers that say, I don't want this card anymore. Let's sell it. But at the same time, like you have to think of it. If there's that steep of a discount on a card, maybe it is fake. Do your research on it. Now, I know we were, I was, I was uh, thumbing through the book. And, and one of the things that really brought came to my attention is that you know, Flair and Skybox kind of, they went out of business, right? But they had all sorts of, uh, you know, printing, printing plates and, and uh, example, you know, stuff in their vaults that, that kind of leaked out into the hobby. And those are kind of susceptible to being fake now, right? Yeah. So it's kind of in that gray area, whether it is real or fake, because technically the cards were printed by the company, but people are altering those cards, whether they're putting fake autographs on them or fake serial numbers, trying to pass them as legitimate pack pulled cards. So that's why I classified them on the fake side of things. And there's tons of accounts that are out there posting content and talking about how the serial numbers are fake or how an autograph is fake. And with those type of cards, I mean, it's so it's such down to the nitty gritty details just because it's, they literally came from the same factory as the real ones. It's tough. Now, as an autograph collector, I always, you know, you never know when you send out a card to get signed through through the mail. You know, the only time you got to know if it's real is if the guy's signing it in front of you. But I always thought that um, the the autograph cards from the manufacturer, from Topps Panini, whoever, those were real. But you, you're saying that there's a lot of uh, fake cards and uh, patches out there as well. Yeah. So with the fake patches side of things, people will take a jersey card, whether it's like a single color or two color and replace it with a fake patch. They might grab like an emblem and put it right in there because someone is going to pay that extra dollar for an emblem rather than just a normal jersey card. So you have that side of things. But with like the fake autograph cards, people actually apply them to base cards. I just covered it last week with Tom Brady. Uh, they'll take a base card from Panini, sign it on a fake sticker or a real sticker that they wiped off, apply it there and then sell it. They're not coming with fake autos from the manufacturer. There's there's some theories on whether autographs are real or fake or signed by families. And I'm not going to discuss that side of things because I'm not an sure. autograph by any means, but you can tell when someone's applied a sticker to a card or forged a really, really bad fake autograph card. Now, not only the collector is getting faked out of it, but the, the grading companies are right. PSA has had a, a problem with it. HGA has had a problem with it. I just saw CSG, right? They had a, they had a card that they ought that they, authorized so uh the e even the grading companies are getting faked out yeah i mean look it happens to everyone the the theory that a grading company or a person should be 100 percent correct every single time it's just so tough because there's always going to be new fakes that are put out there i mean we have the best of the best experts sometimes that get fooled by a fake and it happens especially when you're looking at so many cards every single day i mean psa grades millions of cards every single year 
to have a few fakes slip out every once in a while or an altered card, it's going to happen. We all want to see them be 100%. We don't want to see fakes going through any specific grading company, but it's bound to happen. People are human. And unless we take the human element of authenticating away and use AI, which I think there's some pros and cons of it. I know we, we don't have the technology fully developed where it should be right now. And I think it's possible that it does in the future, but right now we have humans evaluating every, like a lot of the aspects on the authentication yep. side of things. And it's just so important on that. I mean, people, like I said, people make mistakes. It happens. We're, we're speaking with Ryan Nolan. Ryan is a, a, create, a content creator on YouTube. He has a great channel called Breakout Cards where he covers a lot of the going on. He also has written a brand new book. It's called Spotting Fakes. It's available on Amazon. He co-wrote it with uh, Steve Lazar, which I'm assuming is a friend of yours, another collector. And uh, he, uh, he helps run breakout behind the scenes, a few things with that. Yeah, well, it's a 188 page book. It is uh, a, a great, a great read and a great take. He covers basically the um, everything that's going on in terms of faking out cards from basketball to football to hockey and, and boxing and all sorts of different cards. It's, it's really fascinating. And he really looks at the, the 50 uh, top cards that are being faked out or or. or uh, counterfeited uh ryan i don't want to give the whole book away but uh are there a couple favorites that you have in there uh in the book that you cover yeah absolutely i mean i'd go to the big cards in every sport so with hockey the gretzky card is so hev heavily counterfeited i mean hga graded multiple fakes this year and i covered that on the channel on the basketball side of things jordan is a classic i mean jordan has multiple cards in this book because people fake everything of his which is insane to me but people do it it doesn't matter even like Third-year Jordans, which I didn't cover in this book, but third-year Jordans are being faked because they're just getting that much of a premium right now, even they're in the junk wax era. Baseball side things, man, there's so many different fakes, uh, but the Gaudis heavily faked. I mean, you see them all the time on marketplaces and people are trying to pass them as authentic, selling it like a 33 Babe Ruth Gaudi for $100. And if you're buying it for $100, you should know it's a fake card yep. on that side of things but it's interesting because it goes all the way to modern too 2011 mike trout update there's fakes of those and i see those all the time as well and it's affecting other markets too like wrestling um 1982 wrestling stars there's fakes of those i didn't cover it in this book but that happened and you have also like mike tyson's rookie card which there's a ton of fakes out there it happens across every single sport it's just not baseball cards or basketball cards or the selected hockey ones so many fakes out there and you just have to build that knowledge do you think the um, new plan that eBay has, has released in terms of uh, having a third-party authenticator on cards of $750 or more, these are ungraded cards, obviously, do you think that's going to help um, eliminate some of the fakes that are in the market? Absolutely. I think it's going to help a ton, but I think that 750 initial threshold is too high. I think they should really be looking at everything over $100 or $200, which I know they say they're going to go back to $250. And people are moaning that they're checking the slabs or checking autos or patches, but I think it's a, a really good thing. The whole, the whole issue is how long it's going to take. Now, eBay commented on my video saying it's going to take at most uh, two to three business days, but we see how the grading companies also said, oh, we're going to stay by our turnaround times. And eBay brings in a lot of volume of cards being sold every day. So we'll see if that turnaround time is legitimate or if it does get bloated, what ends up happening. But the other thing which I don't like about it, which I wish eBay actually implemented is if cards are altered or not. We don't know because there is no mention of if they're taking a look if a card was recolored or trimmed because technically the card is authentic, right? It gets an authentic thing, 
but it's been altered. So should eBay alert the buyer that this card has been altered? Should they alert the seller? Or are they just going to stop the authenticated logo on it, even if it is altered? Like I could take a card that's a 1960s card that would grade like a four, fix a corner on it. Now it looks like an eight. Is eBay going to say that card has been altered or are they just going to put the seal of approval on it? That's the big, you know, wide open area, which I'm concerned about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we know, right? We're gonna have gonna have to see how the the process falls out because it, it's really, you know, two day turnaround is great, and it's all, the onus is going to be on the seller, right? The seller takes the card, ships it to the authenticator. The authenticator looks at it, says yes, and then sends that. I'm assuming to the 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 buy the person that bought the card, the collector, right? Yeah. Is that the plan? That's the plan. So, so straight from. Free from seller goes to the authenticator, authenticator to the buyer. So ship twice, it gets the approval, it gets put into a sleeve with a tamper proof, and that's how it works right now. Right. And I know all these these authenticators and graders, they're very proud of their um, cases, right? They're, they they have these the cases that are supposed to be um, you know, they can't be counterfeited and they can't be broken into. And um, that 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 isn't true. Would you agree with me on that? Most of the cases, at least from the old reputable companies, aren't able to be broken into. I mean, there are some older generation slabs, PSAs that have like icing. People will crack them open and replace the card inside, but it's pretty obvious looking on the outside edges because they're going to be all white. The new ones, they crack so easily. It's, it's very, very tough. The big issue now is people recreating cases by themselves and then whether real or fake, uh, the flips inside of them and passing off completely fake cards. But right now we can tell that those cases are fake by looking at the minor details and the quality of the slab, but that can change over time. So it's gonna be really important now to authenticate both the slab and the card, which is unfortunate. Right, and I know you do a great job in the book covering the slabs and what a real slab looks like and what, what a fake slab looks like. And, and obviously PSA being the leader is kind of the one that, you know, if you can get a card in a PSA case that, um, gives it a long way to being an authentic card, right? So that's what the counterfeiters and, and the, the bad guys are doing, right? That's what they're doing, unfortunately. So um, what do you see um, the grading companies doing to protect their reputation? And what do you see the uh, manufacturers, you know, Tops and Fanatics now and, and Panini, how are they protecting the collector, how they, how do you think they're going to protect the collector so that these newer cards, these one of ones, these autographed Joe Burrow cards and the stuff that becomes hot, how are they protecting the collector in, in the long run? Sure. So one thing that a lot of grading companies are doing is putting scans of the individual card that they've graded on their website. PSA has been doing it for a bit for expensive cards, but now it's going to do it across everything. The CSG does that for all their cards. And also now SGC announced that they're doing that. So being able to see the actual card that has been graded and being able to compare that with the serial number online is a really, really good thing. And it needed to happen for a while. And I'm glad that the companies are doing on that side of things. One things that I see at least needs to happen is enhanced security on the slab itself. There are a lot of security measures, but the counterfeiters are getting good in replicating them or they're just grabbing real uh, flips and putting those in there. So I wish there's a little bit more security measures within the slabs themselves, but then you have the questions like what happens with all those slabs that have already been graded, right? Uh, there's no way, not even a perfect world, all those cars are gonna get re-slabbed into that new generation. There's always gonna be people that have old slabs or slabs that were lost, or there's always gonna be things like that. So no matter what, you always are gonna have to authenticate a slab. It's like the double-edged sword. Yeah, 
Do you see uh, law enforcement agencies and government entities putting in some more, uh, you know, harsher penalties for doing this? Because I know um, uh, Sports Collectors Die just did a great um, expose on fake autographs, right? And the guy that was doing these fake autographs was from Texas or something. And he was a kind of a, a career criminal. And he went from robbing stores and doing all this other stuff to just faking selling fake autographs because the penalties weren't there. You, you know, you could sell a fake Patrick Mahomes helmet to 20 people and there was not, not much that, that was going to happen to him. Do you think the, the uh, authorities are going to um, make harsher penalties for these people? I don't think they are. I mean, you look at historically what happens with white collar crimes. It's always been less, which is a shame because they're criminals at the end of the day, but it's just where the hobby is at and where society is at at the moment. So what do you think, what, I mean, what's going to happen to, um, you know, the people from Dallas that got arrested, uh, they're going to be shunned in the hobby, so to speak. Right. But maybe they'll find, they'll find, uh, um, you know, five dupes to, to pedal their wares that, that they can't no longer pedal anymore. It's, you know, it's like the card counter in, in Las Vegas, right? That guy can't go to the casino anymore, but he teaches 10 people how to count cards. Is that, do you think that's what's going to happen? That's realistically what I think is going to happen. I think these guys, are just going to have another friend or another party involved that are going to sell the fake cards. I think they're going to get smarter after this whole situation, probably change the serial numbers. I think they were grabbing the real flips as well. I mean, why else would they grade so many of the fake or so many of the Jordans and pawn those off? They're definitely grabbing the real flips for some reason. And I think that's going to be their next generation of slabs. So unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen in that case. But, you know, I hope they do get caught. I know people have informed lawyers and are getting involved on that side of things. I'm not up to date on what's going on with the legal side of things, but I know people are trying to take action. What would you like to see is, I mean, you, you know, you've, you've kind of painted yourself as an expert, which is great because there's not a lot of experts in this and people that, that, that can spot out fakes. What would you like to see uh, from the grading companies, from, from the, the you know, tops and Panini and, and fanatics and those people and, and from, um, you know, the law enforcement officials? Yeah. I mean, from the grading companies, I wish they kind of just told people, Hey, this serial number is there's a fake out there and alerted people on their social media accounts. I know they like PSA says the certification has been deactivated, but I think they should be telling people heads up, like this card is being counterfeited out there. This is what to take a look for. Obviously it alerts the criminals, but it lets the general public know if those slabs are out there, there's multiple versions of it. I mean, that happened with the Tom Brady that was at Dallas. There's three or four versions that have holes drilled through them because people have sent them to PSA to re-slab and PSA deemed both the card and the slab itself fake. So they put a big X on it and a hole in it. But you go online, I didn't see PSA talking about it. I wish they would do that side of things and just alert people. I think that's the biggest thing, helping people know what's going on in the hobby so that way they don't get scammed. So, uh, I mean, it's still buyer beware, right? You, you got to kind of be mindful and do your due diligence before you buy. I think one of the things that you said, which was really good is don't be impulsive. If you, if there's a card that you're looking for a card that you want, um, if the deal's too good, it probably is too, too good. Right. I'd say that majority of the time. And like I said, you can find good deals out there, but just know you're buying from a reputable dealer, know who you're buying from. If something happens with the card, whether it's altered in any way, or if it's fake, that someone could work with you in that situation, whether give you another card or give you a refund back. There are really good dealers out there. And again, things happen. Sometimes people buy fake cards. Sometimes people buy altered cards. They don't know. I mean, like even for myself, I buy, sometimes I'll buy big lots at a card show. I don't know if something's been trimmed. I'm just 
buying a big lot of cards that I look, I test, make sure and look at that side of things and then just sell them. If one comes back altered, I'll work with someone in that case. And you need to find dealers that are like that. So you personally, how big a collection do you think you have? Do you have easy, a, like easy over 10,000 cards, probably 10 to 40 or 50. And at what percent of the, those are graded? Very little. So very little. So, um, in the, in those 10,000 cards, do you think that you have 500 fakes in that and in, in your collection or you I just don't know? I don't have it. I don't have any fakes in my collection. At least I'm aware of, I might have okay. some cards, which is reasonable because of a lot of the pre-war side of things, whether people were trimming them for scrapbooks or people have done alterations on them, coloring in cards and they might be out there, but I've bought a few in the past that I know have been altered and I don't care just because the card is scarce. So, but you, when you when you go to a show, you're at the Dallas show. Um, do you alert the deal the dealer like, oh, that I think that card's fake. That doesn't look like that doesn't look. I've done me. I've done that a few times. It just depends on how much time I have because sometimes it turns into a conversation that takes a while. And yep. when I go to a show, I have to be able to create content. I have to create a vlog. I still have to talk to people that walk up and ask questions or want to talk or talk a few minutes. They've been watching the channel, and I try to make time for them as well. And I sometimes fly in and fly out the same day. So like, I'm so focused on the shows. Like I don't even check my phone. I just have my phone. If I get messages, whatever, I don't look at that. I'll look at comps, obviously if I'm trying to make deals, but I just try to stay in a mode where I'm focused on the card show. And if I have extra time, I'll maybe help out people if that case happens, but I just really don't have a lot of time. If I, it's something super obvious though, I'll just tell someone and show them an example. Yeah, we'll speak with uh, Ryan Nolan. Ryan is uh, a content creator. He has a YouTube channel. It's Breakout Cards. Ryan, are you on Facebook or uh, Instagram or any other social yeah, media? So I also have Instagram and Twitter. Also, Breakout Cards as underscore on Twitter. I have a second channel as well, Moneyball Cards, which is all the data side of the hobby. I'm a full-time data analyst, so I apply what I do at work to sports cards as well and try to educate people on that side and saying this card's going to go up or this card's going to go down because I think so. I'm actually taking a look at data and showing you guys uh, my best estimate based off of what is already out there. And what's that called again? I'm sorry. Uh, Moneyball Cards. Moneyball Cards, that's on YouTube? Yeah, so kind of like the movie Moneyball. Sure. Philosophy to sports cards, especially baseball well, cards. I love it. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. Ryan has written a new book along with Steve Lazar. It's called Spotting Fakes. It's available on Amazon. And it was started, it was like $18.13, I think, but it's on sale, right? Didn't I see it was on sale this week or... Amazon changes the prices all the time. I put it just as 20 bucks. So it has its own algorithm that determines the best price on it. So we're watching, it might be $15. It might be $19. Blame Bezos. So it's on Amazon. Check it out. If you put in Ryan Nolan author on Amazon, you'll find it that way. It's also under uh, spotting fakes and it came out in end of December. Correct. Is how, how has the sales been so far? Been great, man. It's over 500 units moved between the autographed versions and also the non-auto copies. So I'm thrilled with where it's going to be. Eventually, I want to start getting in some of the LCSs across the U.S. when I travel shows, maybe talk to some LCS owners. But I'm, I'm a little bit waiting on that side of things until I have everything else focused and up to date on YouTube and a few other minor projects I'm working on. So who's going to play you in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> there, there will never be a movie about me, man. I, I collect sports cards and go to card shows. So I'm not interesting. Come on, there's there's a movie in there. You know, the bad guys and the arrests and spying. You know, chasing down the guy that's print, printing these fake Mickey Mantle cards. I think there's a movie out there. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. But if there ever is, <laughs> I have no idea, man. It'll be some child actor. I don't even know. I look too young. <laughs>
so, so what do you what do you have planned for the for the rest of the year? I know you you know you're 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 doing you're creating a lot of content. You go into a lot of shows. Do you have any goals in terms of uh, collecting goals of cards you're really looking to add to your collection? Are you working on any sets? Or do you have you know is the do you have you know the 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 white whale that you want to want to get to add to your collection? Well, what what what's your collecting goals for the year? Yeah, so there's three cards that I really want baseball card wise. I'm not going to go over all the special cards I'm looking for because when I did that, people end up sniping them off of me, unfortunately. But I do want a Ted Williams rookie from 39. I think it's super undervalued, especially for how much of an impact he's had on the game of baseball. I also want to get a Ty Cobb red portrait. I know the green's scarcer, but I like the color red. I wanted that card for a while, just iconic. And then I want to own a Cap Anson card. My friend Stephen, who helps run Breakout, has two Cap Anson cards, both the Mayo and also an Allen and Ginter. I would like to have at least one Cap Anson in my collection because I think he's a pretty iconic baseball player. And I, it's missing because I do have an Allen Ginter like this John Sullivan, but don't have an Anson. Are the pre-war cards and the tobacco cards easier to, to create fakes for or, or are they uh, harder than, than, than some of the more recent cards? They're definitely harder. I, I haven't seen any really good fakes of pre-war cards. Uh, not not pre-war cards. I mean, like tobacco. There are tons of fakes on the pre-war side of things. Yeah, it's so hard to replicate between the printing patterns on them, between the stock. It just not happening. Well, that that, that that's good. Um, Ryan, again, thank you very much for your time, guys. Go check it out. It's called Spotting Fakes. It is on Amazon. Uh, I, you can get a regular version, and I think Ryan, you're selling autograph versions as well. Is that through your website? So those sold out. Um, I'm not doing any autograph versions, but if you see me a card show, man, I'll sign it for you. I don't really care. <laughs> All right. So buy Ryan's book. It's a great book. It's called Spotting Fakes. It's on Amazon. Check out Ryan's YouTube channel. It's Breakout Cards. Um, and the content is great. He has some great uh, video of the arrests in Dallas, and he really covered that um, better than anyone. I think, he, Ryan, I think you did the best in terms of covering that. Uh, from the hobby. And, and that's kind of how I learned about you and, and following what you were doing in Dallas. Cause it was, I was in a total uh, cloud and, and haze about this, all, all this stuff and kind of had, had my set head in the sand, like a lot of collectors. Right. Yeah. And I, I was the same way because originally, I mean, I found out that night, I didn't go to the trade night. I almost went, but I decided to get some barbecue and, and I have all these people texting me. There's fake cards of training I'm like, damn it i wish i went and then they shut down the room and so i had to talk to people that were there directly and then i started doing the interviews with people and connecting all the dots and i was like man this thing is way bigger than just dallas yeah and i mean the, the video that you got was really really good and you know i never realized how what the extent of, of fake cards are out there it's something that you know i always knew there were fake autographs and i always knew that there were fake uh, unopened stuff, but I didn't really, it didn't really put two and two together in terms of how many potential fakes are out there. And it's something to watch out for. So, you know, check out Ryan's book and uh, Ryan, do you, uh, do you, do you consult on the side, so to speak? So if someone has a, has a card that they're not sure about, would you, will you, will you, uh, will you help them out? I, I help out a few companies. I get flooded with messages. I have people asking me if this card's real or fake. I try to respond to those, but I have probably like 40 or 50 right now people just asking and i already have such a tight schedule between work between youtube between travel so it takes a while to get to those if i get the chance to well it must be hard if you can't hold the card or hold yeah. the slab in your hand it's tough because when you see it in person it, a lot of these the fakes are so obvious once you see in person but like 
there's lighting differences. I mean, you can tell because of the stock itself on everything, but it, it's sometimes a challenge. I'll say that. Yeah, and I would think the um, the grade the graded card is harder to spot than an ungraded card. No, um, online it's actually pretty easy. I just load them into Photoshop and look at them side to side. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know, keep keep up the good work because uh, your content is awesome. Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. Well, Drew, that was a good way to kick off Baker's Dozen a little different. How to have a have a nice interview with Ryan. Ryan's a young guy, uh, but he's really um, an expert. He's become an expert on fakes. It's a, a really uh, interesting topic, don't you think? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a book I'm going to be checking out there. I know I've mentioned it before, back when I first started collecting as a kid in the early 90s, there was a full book out on a whole bunch of common fakes, how to spot them, all that kind of stuff. So it's good to see an update done on something like that with some new ones that are more recent to be able to spot all those in there. So excellent. It's something the hobby needs. I'm glad to see that it's out there. So big thanks to Ryan for uh, putting all yeah. that together. Ryan's uh, uh, um, channel on YouTube, breaking car was breaking cards, breaking breakout, breakout cards, breakout, breakout cards. Check it out. He has, he's, he, I think he's, since I, I spoke to him the other day, I think he's posted like two new videos on uh, spotting fakes. He's really um, a dedicated collector and, and he's a serious collector as well. So check it out. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Nolan, Breakout Cards on YouTube and check out his book, Spotting Fakes. Some uh, some news going on in auction news. Memory Lane Auction has, a, has a, their winter auction going on. It's February 5th to the 19th. Uh, so it's starting out uh, today and it's going on until the 19th. They have 1,750 high-end items. It's a really uh, cool auction again. Memory Lane always has great items. We love to promote uh, what they've got going on. So go to memorylaneinc.com. Check that out. Tom Brady making news everywhere, including on the auction front. A BGS 8.5 with a 9 autograph on his uh, Contenders Championship ticket sold for $1.2 million this week. That's not even a BGS 9.5 or 10 or anything. This is an 8.5 that got that price on it through the uh, Mint 25 auction from collectibles.com. That's that's amazing right there to me. I mean, when I was going back to, you know, when I was a kid, the only million dollar card out there was like the Honus Wagner was a PSA 8. Now you're seeing all sorts of stuff up in the millions, including now a Tom Brady here from that was, I mean, produced in the last 20 years or so. That's 25 years, I should say. That's just absolutely amazing to me. Yeah, I wish I had one of those cards. They are really oh, yeah. nice. They're gorgeous cards, you know. So it, it it's kind of cool. Uh, one thing that one thing that came up at, uh, that's coming out about auction. It's uh, on the Heritage auction, and it's a really interesting thing uh, because I really love tickets and ticket stubs, and this is a a full ticket from Michael Jordan's first game, um, and it's up to it's up in auction right now. It's been off PSA authenticated. It's it's right now currently at two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. One of the the cool story behind the ticket is only um, thirteen thousand people went and attended the, this Michael Jordan's first game. So there's not a lot of ticket stubs out there. And what happened was this this kid when he was a kid uh, uh, he was a big Bulls fan and his dad got him uh, two tickets to go see the game just because he wanted to see Michael Jordan he knew him from, from college a big uh, uh, basketball fan and his dad got him tickets and he was uh, he had he got two tickets and he was he was in college I think it was at Northwestern and he literally couldn't find anyone to go to the game with him so he only he used one ticket 
and he and he kept the other ticket just he just kept it because he, he saved ticket stubs uh, and this is a full game ticket that wasn't used he doesn't know where his ticket his ticket stub is that he that he used but uh, you know all these years later he, he found it and, and PSA authenticated it and ticket stubs are really hot now so it's kind of cool that uh, heritage auction is uh, got to validate this thing and and there's a great prominence to it and it's a really cool story about uh, a full game ticket for from MJ's uh, first game. I know you're you're a big ticket guy, and uh, and you got a bunch of tickets uh, from the Cleveland Indians last game, right? I did. Yeah, it's, they played uh, the last game as the as the Indians was here in Arlington, so I have my ticket from that. And God, there's so there's a couple of games that I would love to find ticket stubs on for an affordable price that I was at that I wish I'd saved my stubs from back when I was a kid, but I unfortunately didn't. But uh, in 1990, I was at Dave Steve's no hitter against the Indians. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, and then three years later, I got to see Nolan Ryan get his last career win, which happened against the Indians in Cleveland Stadium. And I had saved my Nolan Ryan ticket stubs for the longest time, and I don't know where they disappeared off to. They may have gotten swept up in something and thrown out at some point. Never even thought to save the Dave Steve ones, unfortunately, but I'm on the lookout trying to find stubs from those two games at some point. So if there's anyone out there who knows anything about them, I would love to be able to get my hands on them, but... The only ones I've seen, I saw a couple of Nolan Ryan ones a couple of years ago, and even then they were already up to $50. I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to hold off on that for now. But if I can find one of those for 50 now, I might have to jump on it. Yeah, I love ticket subs. I have a whole box of them from when I was a kid up until, you know, I miss the, uh, I miss the ticket subs are going away in terms of everything's virtual. But I think you can still get hard tickets if you ask when you go to the game but uh it, it's great to see that ticket stubs have uh, become increasingly popular and more more valuable well uh, new releases we'd like to let everyone know uh on february 9th it's uh this week coming up panini rookies and stars football is coming out there's six packs in the box of 10 cards uh per pack the boxes are going between 300 and 320 dollars in the box you get two autographs two memorabilia five numbered parallels 12 rookies 12 inserts and six OptiChrome inserts. So it's, there's a lot of stuff in there for you, 300 to $320. Panini always does a great job. I love the, the Panini stuff for the football and the basketball where they have the logos on it. Um, it, it. It's a really interesting set. And they've been putting out that out for a couple of years, right, Drew, the Rookies and Stars? Yeah, I've definitely. Uh, I remember seeing it as at least for about 10 years now because uh, I've got a whole bunch from around 2013 or so when I first started working there. So yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been a popular product out there, so glad to see it's continuing. Yeah, and then we had Top Series 1's coming out. It is, yeah, February 16th, uh, we're going to be seeing that. So uh, Shohei Otani, card number one in that set, got to end up getting voted in for that spot. Wander Franco is uh, going to have his rookie card in there as well, so that's going to cause that to fly off the shelves, I think. Um, looking at 330 total cards in Series 1, including the very first full issue of Cleveland Guardians cards there. So the first one's... With, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be the new uniforms either photoshopped onto them or uh, possibly like press conference photos in the new ones or something like that. But definitely excited to see how those turn out, how those are going to look. And uh, so, yeah, February 16th, we're uh, less than two weeks away from that. Does it make you sad that the Indians logo is no longer the, they're no longer the Indians? Not really. I mean, it's to me, it's Cleveland is the important part of the name. So it's uh, they could wear, you know, neon green and neon pink and call themselves the Cleveland totally rad awesomes. And I'm still going to be. <laughs> completely on board with them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they could have done a better name than the Guardians. I think they could have done a better logo than what they've got there, but I don't really care either way. 
Okay, I, I, I I'm an old timer. I like I like the history of it, but um, and, you know, I love I love the new stuff too. So we'll 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 see how it goes, and I can't wait for the series one, uh, top series one to come out because I always love the, the flagship. Uh, also, just this is a really cool one. Our friends from DroppingDimes.org and Lana Sports are uh, issuing a new uh, ABA card set. The, of uh, it's going to feature the top thirty players in the ABA, and there's going to be autograph cards included. They're going to be they're, they're in packs and boxes. Um, check go to LanaSports.com or DroppingDimes.org to check it out. The best part of this is that all the proceeds from the the cards go to help former ABA players that are no longer on that, that are not available. Uh, don't get offered the NBA pension. So this is going to help out NBA, ABA, former ABA players that are uh, troubles, um, you know, just paying bills, medical bills, food bills, rent, and uh, just that are down in a lock. So check it out. It's uh, the new ABA cards from Lana Sports and uh, DroppingDimes.org. Go to DroppingDimes.org or LanaSports.com to check those out. And remember, everything, all the money's going to help the ABA former ABA players, which is a really cool thing. In show news, um, the Las Vegas Sports Card and Collectibles Show, which is going to be Saturday, February 12th, next Saturday, at the Green Valley uh, Ranch Resort Spa and Casino. Our friends from CSG will be there. They're going to be accepting submissions. And one of the cool things is that they're offering a two-week turnaround. So if you uh, drop off any cards at the show for them to get graded, you're going to get a two-week turnaround, which is really cool. Also, the first 300 attendees are going to get a free gift bag. So hopefully you're from the Las Vegas area. There's worse places to be than uh, Las Vegas in February and to go to a card show, which is kind of cool. And I would check it out. If you want to learn more, go to frontrowcardshow.com. Once again, it's Las Vegas Sports uh, uh, Card and Collectible Show, which is Saturday, February 12th. One uh, cool thing that I saw is a free app. I love I love apps that that focus on cards and collecting. And this is a, a brand new free app. They're in kind of beta mode right now. But what you can do is you can go on it and sign up for a uh, an account, get an account from them. And uh, the 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 app is called Next Gem, G E M, one word, Next Gem. It's a social app for cards. And what's really kind of cool is. Yeah, it lets you show off your cards to fellow collectors, and then the, you can be you can chat with other collectors, chat about the card, chat about the players. There's no charge to this. It's a free app. It's only available on iPhones right now. They have three thousand five hundred collectors already signed up, and what you do is you go to nextgem.com. You you fill out a little quick questionnaire, what you're interested in, and uh, what they'll do is they'll send you a code, a, a code that you can go on and you can basically be like a a beta tester of it and they're up uh, i talked to the owner uh and developer the other day and they're actually updating um the the app the beginning of this week so uh if you go on in the, in the next couple of days sign up for it it's called next gem n-e-x-t g-e-m uh go to nextgem.com they are on uh, instagram and twitter you can follow them and it's a kind of a cool uh, way you know a cool app that you can just meet other collectors and, and kind of show off your collection and I, I thought it was neat and there's no charge for this so check it out next gem uh nextgem.com uh that wraps up baker's dozen we have a lot, a lot to talk about Drew. it's it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how much how much news happens in a week in, in our hobby it does and i mean it's definitely a sign of a, a healthy hobby right now i'm glad to see that because 
it seemed like for a while there around the uh, early 2000s that maybe it was dying off a bit and 20 years later, nah, we're doing good. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that when when I started thinking about doing this podcast now four or five, four years ago, four and a half years ago, and my my wife is like, "Who are you going to talk to? There's no one. No one collects. It's it's a bunch of old guys like you, and there's no one out there. And now it's great. You go to these shows, and there's kids running around, and there's yep. college kids that are into it, and it's so vi- our, our the social media is so vibrant. I, I I go on TikTok all the time. I see all sorts of card stuff on there. There's so much happening on Twitter. It's just it's really you know, awesome. So uh, we're we're no longer in the shadows, Drew. We're no longer we're no longer card geeks for just me and you. Yep. <laughs> well, next up is making the grade. Making the grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit dsggrading.com to learn more. Making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. Kind of a busy uh, week in grading. A lot of the... um statistics got released this this week so we just kind of point out a few things that really uh, caught our eye um so uh, sgc graded 2400 mac jones donruss rated rookie cards which is uh, amazing for for uh, a quarterback that had a pretty good year but he, he was no way was he justin herbert or patrick mahomes but there's a lot of interest in him and they graded 81,000 cards in January, and 42% of those were cards that were produced in 2020 and 2021. So there's, you know, they're certainly flooding the market with new cards. They are. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I mean, speaking of flooding, look at what PSA's got. 13,500 Ja Morant cards have been graded by them now, and uh, they just got uh, just put their numbers out for January. 775,000 cards graded in January alone. So any backlog that they may have had, that's that's going to be shrinking pretty quick if they're going to keep on putting numbers out like that. So excellent work there by PSA as they're uh, really getting caught up and really just uh, cranking everything out there. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we're, we're looking at over a million cards, I think, that got graded yeah. in January by the by uh, probably the three or four grade, you know, top grading companies, which is incredible. And uh, one thing, Gem uh, Rate, uh, puts out these the fi- these figures and uh, the, this really surprised me. Um, they the the grading companies graded um, 2018 tops updated update uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. rookie cards. Twenty thousand over twenty thousand of those cards got a, a ten rating, a, which is incredible. And the uh, the second guy was Juan Soto. Juan Soto from the same set had 19,822 cards in PS in, in 10 and the 2019-2020 Prism John ja, ja Moran card was over 19,010s. So there are so many cards getting out there and you know a 10 used to be a 10 and I don't know if that's that's true anymore, you know what I mean? When you got a 10 it was like okay, you know like the Burp Lilevan card, the 71 Burp Lilevan card there's one PSA 10. But these newer cards, the, you know, guys are just re- taking them right from the pack and, and sending them off to grading companies. And 
the card producing companies, they're really um, quality control in terms of making sure that these, these things are centered and they're in great condition when they, they get packaged. So uh, I think packaging helps. And I think, you know, guys, uh, you know, looking for the, the 10, so to speak, it's, 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 uh, I don't know. It's strange to me to, to see so many 10s. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, this was, I don't think I, when the grading companies first start up, I don't think this is what they intended or anticipated in any way. So, uh, it's interesting to see. I mean, it's good to see that, you know, people are doing whatever they can to protect the condition of their cards, but, oh man, this is, uh, this is, I, this could come back to bite the hobby. I think at some point, I mean, like you said, you know, there's that one Burt Bly 11, whereas there's, you know, almost 20,000, well, over 20,000, at least on the Acuna card. So, uh, it makes you wonder, is it going to hold its value long-term then once these numbers are out there saying that, oh, hey, there's 20,000 of these versus one of this Hall of Famer. So, uh, yeah, good to see people, good to see that they're, you know, protecting cards and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's, uh, I don't think that was the intent originally. That's for sure. No, I know. Well, I just want to remind everyone about our friend and sponsor. It's Diamond Service Grading. It's dsggrading.com. They offer a special coupon just for, $5 coupon, just for TTM Cast listeners. Uh, when you go and check out, use the code 4HMUGTCG, which is 4 H-M-U-G-T-C-G. Don't worry if you haven't written it down. It's available on our website. You can uh, use that code at checkout, and that will give you $5 off every card you get graded. Uh, their standard submission is $30, but it's only $25 to you. They have a cool uh, QR code, which you scan and let gives you a v- detail of why your card got graded, and they have uh, cool era labels. They are a great company. They are still meeting their 30-day turnaround time uh, on most uh, grades they are busy as heck i, I talked to michael clark from, from dsg grading a couple weeks ago and they're they're swamped but they are uh, have ramped up they've got great uh, technology to, to help grade their cards so check them out diamond service grading dsggrading.com and make sure you use the coupon code for h-m-u-g-t-z-g well drew that wraps up making the grade next up We'll announce our contest winner. Well, Drew, I am down to four TTM Cast T-shirts, so I'm gonna have to put place a new order up. But we're gonna we got a a T-shirt that we're gonna give away this week, going away, giving away to a listener, Matthew Larson. From Minnesota, congratulations, Matthew. I will drop that in the mail to you. Um, I'm gonna. I got a, a new contest. This is gonna center around the Super Bowl, and uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give away one blaster box of Top Series One. Maybe you can pull a Wander Franco rookie or a Otani uh, rookie, or maybe cool insert out of it. I'm gonna give away one. That's one Top Series One baseball blaster box. Uh, we're gonna have the contest this week and next week. And what you have to do is I need the total score of the Super Bowl without going over and the winner. Pretty easy, right, Drew? Yeah, sounds pretty good. Give us the total score, give us a Super Bowl winner, uh, and the person that has the winner and the total score without going over, the closest to the total score, or if you nail it, if we have multiple winners, then we'll pick a, a winner at random. And all you have to do is send your name and your the total score for the Super Bowl and your uh, winner for the Super Bowl to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Any entry that's postmarked before kickoff 
of the Super Bowl next Sunday will be accepted. So I'm going. We'll announce the winner in what three weeks, Drew? Right? Yeah. After the, the week after the Super Bowl. But um, you know, give gives you a little rooting interest. Hopefully, uh, uh, what will maybe maybe Drew and I will give our predictions out next week, because <laughs> we're so good at that. But if you want to win a Series One 2022 Topps Baseball Blaster Box, um, and maybe you can pull a Wander Franco rookie card from it, I need the total score of the Super Bowl, the winner without going over. Send it to what? What's the email address, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. And please only enter one time. We don't need, I don't, I don't need 20 en- entries from one guy, one entry per uh, email address. How about that? We'll do one entry per email address. So please don't cheat. <laughs> this is for fun. Okay, guys, uh, that wraps up contest. Next up is our TTMcast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval. Drew, you want me to take sample approval, or do you, or you want to do it? Um, either way is good. I've got one. I've, uh, I know you've got one as well. So, all right, well, go ahead. Why don't you, why don't you take it, and then, I'll, and then I'll wrap it up. Go ahead. Okay. Well, my stamp approval for this week is uh, someone we talked about in the summer, and uh, normally there's a little bit further of a gap between the summer ones and the winter ones, but the Winter Olympics have officially kicked off here this week. Had the uh, opening ceremonies just a couple days ago. Had some of the preliminary events have already taken place as well, but. It's something that I know we've talked about the summer ones, and I always look forward to the winter as well, especially, I mean, you've got uh, hockey going on. Unfortunately, no NHL players in it for this one, but uh, still got hockey and everything. Luge and bobsled and skeleton are always fun to watch. Uh, my my fins absolutely uh, destroy ski jumping usually, though, so it's our best chance at a medal right there. And, of course, the greatest event of them all, curling. Curling. I love curling. Yeah, it's I mean, I love I check it out anytime I can, whenever it's on like TSN. I try to watch the uh, Tim Hortons Briar and the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. And when you get in the Olympics, that's even better. So, uh, yeah, I'm highly looking forward to that. And uh, so, yeah, Winter Olympics, my stamp of approval for this week. OK, I got two good Winter Olympic stories for you since we're on the well, nice. podcast and not the radio show, Drew. So yeah. pa- my wife and I were watching the curling last night mm-hmm. and I said it was the, the co-ed curling, right? What do they what do they call it? The. Or the uh, mixed doubles or whatever mixed it is. Doubles, the mixed double curling. Yeah. I go, honey, you and we can do this. You and I can do mixed doubles curling. And she's just busting on it. She's like, you can barely stand up. How are you going to walk on ice? Blah, blah, blah. So I, I said, I can do it. We can do it. So we're sitting there watching the Olympics. And then for some reason, Michael Ruzioni's name just popped in my head, right? Yeah. So I, 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 I have his phone number. So I texted him. I like, I'm going to tell you, I, I just texted him out of the blue. Yeah. I, I, so I haven't talked to Michael Rosoni in like two years. It's the last time he was on the show. So I'm, it's like, I'll, t- I'll text Mike, see how he's doing. Maybe we can come on the show and talk, we, you know, talk winter Olympics because it's winter Olympics time. It's perfect time. Right. Yeah. So he texts me back like two minutes later. So him and I are texting, like he's in Hawaii right now and he's Jeez. coming back to Boston. I'm telling him, don't come to Boston because of the snow. And my wife is just shaking her head. Like, look at you just sitting there texting Mike Ruzioni <laughs> on a whim. So guys, we're, we're shooting for Mike Ruzioni. We, I'm going to, I'm hopefully interviewing him uh, next week. And, and we're going to hopefully have Mike Ruzioni on to talk about winter Olympics. Cause just like you, I love the winter Olympics, but sometimes you just don't think of it until it's right there in your face. And that curling is it. It looks so much fun. I just want to try it. Yeah, I mean, I've actually have a friend who did uh, did curling for his bachelor party. It's like, dude, I wish I'd been around for that because uh, he was up in Cleveland at the time, and you know, I'm down here in Texas and all that. But 
yeah, it always looks like it's so fun. And 2014, I missed out on a chance to do it because it was the last time the NHL players were in the Olympics. And so uh, the uh, NHL players had the break and everything. They actually had an event to do curling with uh, uh, Antoine Roussel from the Dallas Stars. And God, I wish I'd known about that because I so would have gone to that. He was one of my favorite players when he was here and everything. And I've always wanted to try curling, but missed out on that. So I'm going to have to try to find uh, some other way to try it out now. It looks more fun than that stupid cornhole game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I played that a million times. The, the curling looks so much more fun. Well, Drew, that was a great uh, TTMcast stamp approval. My stamp approval is uh, an event that I went to last year. And I'm going to again this year. It's called Legends of Basketball. It's in Naples, Florida. It's Monday, March 21st. And uh, NBA Hall of Fame legends, uh, Kevin McHale, Artis Gilmore, Rick Barry, and Earl Monroe are all going to be there. And it, it, you get a meet and greet. You get they sign autographs. There's a whole show in terms of them talking about the cur- their career. It's really a fun event. Um, they put on a, a great time. Uh, check it out. It, it just I, I think if you put in Legends of Basketball Naples, Florida, um, it it will come up. Uh, and you can learn about it. I believe there's still tickets available. It's Monday, 20, uh, March 21st. So if you're in the Florida area or the west coast of Florida, uh, I recommend it. Uh, I will be there. So if you you do uh, if you do decide to go, let me know, and we can certainly meet up. But it's a really fun event. So that's my uh, stamp approval this week. Legends of Basketball in Naples, Florida, Monday, March 21st. Kevin McHale, Artis Gilmore, Rick Barry, and Earl Monroe are going to be there, and they will be they will sign autographs. It's a it's a great event. Uh, so that wraps up stamp of approval. Next up is our burn wrap minute. Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Burn Rap, who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request. And this week, thankfully, we only have we only have three people on, on our uh, list to pass. Uh, we lost Jeff Innes. Jeff was our relief pitcher for the New York Mets from 1987 to 1983. Um, he was only 59 years old. He wasn't uh, much of a TTMer. I'm guessing he was 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 ill because uh, you know he he passed away at a young age. Um, he had kind of a funky delivery, if you if you remember. He was one of those guys that kind of like um, like a Quint, Dan Quisenberry, Kent Kent He kind of had a funky delivery, but he did hang around for a while. He only played played for the Mets from '87 to '93, and uh, we are we are sorry for your loss. Yeah, I definitely remember Innes. He was, uh, and yeah, I believe it was cancer was what ended up taking him. I think he was diagnosed a couple of years ago there with yeah, that. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was pretty ill because he signed a little. Um, you know, or earlier, but he he hadn't signed in a while, so I, I think he he got he got sick fairly quickly. Another good TTMer, unfortunately, uh, passed away about a day ago, and that was uh, Bill Fitch, the Hall of Fame basketball coach. Um, he was unfortunately one that I was about to write to here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, coached for uh, four different colleges. He was at uh, Minnesota Bowling Green, North Dakota, and got to start at uh, Coe College, in my uh, in my birthplace of Cedar Rapids, Iowa but asserted his pro career as I believe the first head coach of the Cavs. He was there for the miracle at Richfield there in the uh, mid seventies. And uh, fortunately he was smart enough to resign before Ted Stepien took over as owner. So uh, smart move right there and moved on to the Boston Celtics after that won the 81 NBA championship as their coach went on as well to the Rockets, the Nets and finished out his career with the Clippers. But uh, 
25 years in the NBA, 944 wins, which I think may have been the most all time at the time of his retirement. I know it was either number one at the time that he uh, finally hung him up or very close to the top, at least. So I think top 10 still at this point. But yeah, Hall of Famer. He's a great TTMer. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, lost him this week. AJ, yeah, he's fantastic TTMer and really a quick turnaround. And uh, he was, you know, he was uh, Larry Bird's rookie coach. Oh, yeah. His, his rookie year and led him to a championship in, in uh, 2000. Uh, I'm sorry, 1981, and they kind of got tired of him. He, he was one of those guys that I think he was a, a kind of disciplinarian, which was good for a young team. But once they be, they came, they started, win, they went, they won. I think they got a little tired of him, but he was certainly a great coach. And, uh, you know, he will be missed in basketball and TTM community. And last, in the world of celebrity, uh, we lost Howard Hessman. Howard Hessman, of course, played Dr. Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati. He's a funny guy. He was on he's on TV all the way through the 70s and 80s, and you see him on all sorts of all sorts of shows. Um, he was 81. Well, that wraps up um, Vern Rap Minute. We are sorry for your loss, and um, we are going right into PTM returns. This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. Well, I think we have to rename this, right? Maybe not the not the TTM returns, but the TTM no returns, because we we are we are getting pitched shout out after shout out. Drew got shout out this week. I got shout out this week. But we're 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 at least in at bat. We were both we we're both at bat. Drew sent out a bunch. I sent out a bunch um, this week and last week and this week. So hopefully we have some stuff coming. But let's run down a, a list of some of the guys that we saw that have been signing this week, TTM. All right. Yeah, just taking a look here. We've got a few guys who charge uh, suitable amounts. There are affordable amounts, I guess. We've got uh, Ryan Sandberg has been an uh, excellent signer for years now at uh, $10 each, and he's been returning quite a bit lately. Uh, Steve Sachs, multi-time All-Star. $15 fee on him. Not bad at all. I know he's in at least one of the uh, Diamond Kings uh, cards out there that Don Russ put out there. I think he's in the 1990 set. He may have been in some before that, too, but I know that's a popular one among collectors, including myself. Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers. He's been a great signer for years. He's been returning lately at about $20, a $20 rate on his. Sonny Jurgensen, if we move over to the NFL side of things, he's been signing for about 20 as well. And Carlton Fisk, $50 fee on his goes straight to a cancer charity, though. So highly recommend. It's an excellent cause, along with being able to get your uh, Carlton Fisk items signed. So uh, definitely consider all of those guys affordable prices right there. And some free guys that we saw, saw signed as well. Uh, Carl Erickson, who was a pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, Tom Rappin, the running back for the 49ers. Gilles Malosh, who was a goaltender. He played for the California Golden Seals and the Cleveland Barons, two uh, defunct teams. But we'd <laughs> love to see the, those those oh, yeah. logos uh, on cards. Uh, Richard Petty, Petty from NASCAR. Herm Edwards, the, the coach for the, the Eagles. And uh, he, I think he played for the Eagles as well. Uh, Bert Campanaris, shortstop for the Oakland A's and all the, those World Series teams and uh, the Texas Rangers as well. And Charles Nagy, who was a pretty good pitcher from UConn, and he pitched for the uh, Cleveland Indians. So uh, those guys are all signing for free. We just want to give you kind of people, the guys that are active. So if you're looking guys that are active, um, you can send out. And uh, these guys are really 
quick turnarounds, most of these guys. So if you're looking for addresses for these guys, just go to uh, sportscardforum.com or sportscollectors.net. Sportscardforum is free. Sportscollectors.net is only uh, uh, $15 for a year. Well worth it. And, uh, you know, we, we, we love to see when guys sign TTM. Um, I think that kind of wraps up returns, Drew, unless you, you have anything else you want to mention. Um, just mentioned I sent out a 16 this week and I've got actually four more ready to go right here. And I'm probably gonna be writing a whole ton more here this week as well. So I don't have anything going on this weekend, but sent out a few minor league uh, guys, a few uh, retired guys as well. Got both the Aspermani brothers going out into the mail, uh, Jim Gentile, Mario Mendoza, legendary for the uh, namesake of the Mendoza line. He's been signing lately. So I'm going to try him out as well. And uh, mailing he out charges, my first. Right? He doesn't merit Mendoza charge. No, of what I've seen, he's been signing free, so uh, I'm going to try him out. Yep, And uh, setting up my first ever poker request as well to Doyle Brunson. And uh, also Dick Perez, the guy who did all of those uh, Diamond Kings cards. He actually was on a card in, I believe it was the 83 Donruss set. So I found that one, and I'll be sending that out to him as well. So This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, Drew, for so from some behind the scenes stuff, I just closed my file. Oh no, that's oh. <laughs> well. That wraps up returns for the week. Uh, next up is uh, our interview. I had a, a really fantastic talk and interview with Jeff Owens. Jeff is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. Um, he uh, is a friend of the show. He's been on a couple times, and we re- we talk about what's happening in the hobby. What happened in 2021? His plans for uh, what's like this digest in 2022, and uh, it's a he, we get a really interesting take from Jeff. So please uh, enjoy my interview with Jeff Owens, editor for Sports Collectors Digest. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. Go on the road with CSG in 2022. CSG will attend more than two dozen industry shows across the country this year. Save on shipping with your submissions. Meet with CSG representatives, get swag, and see the hobby's best holder in person. Expedited turnaround time will be offered at select shows. Check out the CSG events page now on csgcards.com. Joining us on the program is the editor of the Sports Collectors Digest, the voice of the hobby. I, should, I wish I took that uh, tagline, uh, Jeff, but you guys have had it for a while. It's Mr. Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. He's been a guest on the podcast a couple times and, and joining us on the podcast and the radio. So welcome to the program, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, We've done this a few times, and uh, it's always good to catch up with you. Yep, you know, we love talking what's going on in the hobby, what's going on uh, uh, collectible-wise. And, boy, let's look back at 2021 because what an exciting and turbulent year we had. Uh, so many things went on. Uh, what do you think is the number one uh, news story in your mind for last year? Well, I think a couple of things. I think, you know, just the prices we saw, just just – you know, the way the market boomed and the prices we were seeing, uh, there were records being set almost every single month. I mean, you know, I remember all the way back to August uh, 2020, 
Everybody was marveling over that Mike Trout card that went for, for 3.9 million. And that didn't last no time. You know, then we had a Mickey Mantle card setting the record and LeBron James tied him and it just went on and on, you know, and, and we finally got to 6.6 million for the all time high selling card. And, uh, that was just amazing to me and everybody in the hobby. So I think that was huge. And then, um, you know, the news later in the year that Fanatics was coming on board and uh, and that they had re- acquired the rights for baseball, football, and basketball. And, you know, that just sort of uh, plunged the hobby into sort of a whirlwind, you know. A frenzy, was, right? We were in a yeah, frenzy. frenzy <laughs> uh, an unbelievable frenzy. I mean, everybody was excited but nervous and anxious and, you know, didn't know what was happening and how could this – you know, how could this occur? And, you know, what does this mean for the future? And we still don't have all the answers yet, but we've gotten some of them. But I think those were, were certainly two of the big things from last year, just all the money being made and the money changing hands and just how, you know, how much stuff was the records being set and how much stuff was selling for. And then, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think it's not going to slow down and, and those records are even going to go higher once uh, Fanatics gets in the game. Did everything that happened with PSA and Beckett and SGC having to shut down because of, of an influx of so many cards, did that surprise you as well? Yeah, I think that shocked everybody. And certainly I think until Fanatics came along, that was probably, you know, definitely one of the biggest stories of the year that, you know, they, they faced that enormous backlog and, and it's still going on, you know, they still haven't clawed their way out of it yet, but that certainly had a tremendous impact on the hobby. Uh, people had to wait, you know, nine, 10 months to get their, uh, cards back after they had submitted them to be graded. Um, and then all the grading companies just became swamped. You know, it wasn't just PSA, but, you know, Beckett faced a big backlog as well. And, uh, you know, they both had to make changes and hire more people and try to catch things up and, and they've made some progress, but they still have a long way to go. And, uh, there's still people that haven't gotten their cards back. And, and we've also seen it change the way cards are graded, how much it costs and, uh, new rules have been put in place and all those things. And those are, those are things that are going to impact the hobby for quite a while. And, uh, and it's also brought other graders into the comp into the hobby. We've seen new grading companies emerge. And, uh, so certainly that was a huge, huge story as well. And, uh, and I think it was pretty shocking at the time. One thing that you guys really, uh, did a great job covering was the availability of cards, you know, at Target and Walmart and just people getting boxes of cards. I thought, you know, as a longtime collector, I'm sure you're the same way. You, you could go into a store, a drug store or Walmart or, or, or Target, and you could always have fine cards. But all of a sudden, cards were, were not available. Uh, was, was that something that, that was surprising as well? Yeah, that was a big shock. Uh, the whole Target and, and Walmart fiasco w- was also a huge story last year. And Yeah, I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, I, an eye-opening moment to, to walk into a retail store and see the shelves completely cleaned out. And, uh, and really, you know, the, the regular hobbyist, uh, the pure collector, uh, lost the ability to walk into a store and buy an inexpensive, inexpensive retail box. Uh, it's starting to come back a little bit, but that's still a huge issue facing uh, the hobby. I think, uh, the, you know, you can go into target now and, and get them occasionally. It just depends on your timing, I think, but that is a big question. I think that uh, fanatics and tops 
is going to have to answer going forward. You know, what are they going to do uh, for the little guy? You know, what are, are they going to, uh, you know, continue to do those retail blaster boxes uh, in the stores uh, that your average collector and hobbyist can afford? And uh, I think that's a major question that they have to answer. And, and hopefully uh, they do something to, to help that continue to where you can go buy um, you know, we're, you know, kids, you want kids to be able to go into a store and buy packs of cars, just like we did. You know, yep. there's nothing more fun in this hobby than ripping open a wax packs, of car, a wax pack of cards. And, uh, we lost that ability for a while because it was just, uh, you know, your average collector was being priced out of the hobby and, uh, that can't continue. Um, you know, that's something that fanatics has to address and, um, hopefully they address it in a manner, uh, that's good for everybody. Well, going into 2022, we were in, in February now, and Fanatics drops another bombshell, right? They, they purchased Tops. Uh, yeah. What has been the feedback from your readership in, in terms of what does that mean for the hobby? What do they see? Did they see that as a positive and negative? And, and you personally, what, what do you think uh, of the, the deal with Tops being uh, purchased by Fanatics? Yeah, I, you know, it seemed like a bombshell at the time. It seemed like another really shocking move but but after you heard the news and you started to absorb it a little bit you kind of realized that you know it wasn't that shocking uh, and not that big of a surprise to a lot of people because everybody felt like fanatics was going to do something like that that they were either going to buy tops or panini uh, that they almost had to you know it was going to be so challenging to just start from scratch um, so once that deal emerged and, and, and news of that leaked out, um, I think a lot of people were, were happy and excited about it. Uh, you know, we, we went to work right away and we talked to probably 15 or 20 of the so-called experts and insiders in the sport, uh, or in the hobby people from, uh, auction houses and, and grading companies and, and, uh, you know, collectors, everybody you could think of. And everybody seemed to be pretty happy and, and excited about it because, you know, the one thing nobody really wanted was to see tops go away. You right. know, that was one of the big fears of fanatics coming in is that it would force an iconic company like tops out of business or, or force them out of the baseball card market. Um, now, you know, with tops purchase with fanatics purchasing them, they're still going to be around for a long, long time. They're still going to be doing their same products with the tops brand on it. Um, and one of the more exciting, uh, parts of this is that it, it seems like, and fanatics has said, they're going to do this, that, uh, down the road, a couple of years, when the NBA and the football licensing kicks in, we're going to start seeing, uh, new tops products. They're going to bring back Topps football. They're going to bring back Topps basketball. Um, and, and they're going to take all these iconic brands, you know, the, the Chrome brand and all that. And uh, they're going to do all these new cards in different sports now. And I think that's really exciting for the hobby. Um, you know, I think once everybody absorbed this news, they were pretty happy and pretty positive about it. Now, there's some still, still some people concerned, and there's still some issues out there. I think the card uh, shops are still nervous. I think the distributors are still nervous. They don't know quite what to expect yet. And, you know, the, the one good thing Fanatics has done is they've come in and said, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to do everything we can to protect the hobby. 
and, and, and protect the integrity of it and protect the history of it and, and the way it's been. Uh, but there's a lot of specifics that we don't know yet. And, um, you know, I think the, the future of those card shops and, uh, and there's distributors and how people are going to get cards. I think that's something that's still to be determined. And, uh, that, that has some of those folks still a little bit anxious. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot, you know, when there's some unknown, right. The guys get nervous and there's a trepidation of what's going to, what's going to happen. And, and certainly you could attack their livelihood, by not having access to products. So um, it, it's a valid concern, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Uh, absolutely, I do. And, you know, one thing I'll give them credit for, you know, Michael Rubin, you know, it, it, it's been so difficult to talk to anybody in a, an official capacity about this deal. You know, Fanatics wouldn't really talk for a while. Tops wouldn't talk. And it's still tough to get anything out of those guys. But, but Michael Rubin made a few rounds. Um, after that announcement was made and he did say, uh, that they do value the card shops and they would like to see those guys continue. And, and they know that there's distribution concerns and, and he seemed to, to indicate that they're going to address all those things and they're going to put programs on place that that's going to help everybody. So hopefully that ease some concerns, but until we get some real, real details and we figure out exactly how it's going to work. Uh, I think those people have a right to be nervous. You know, your, your card, your card shops, your dealers who uh, are putting on shows every, every single weekend and the distributors, you know, are they going to be able to get cards? And, and that's a valid concern considering the fact that fanatics has got their own distribution network in place with their merchandising company. And it's been for the most part, pretty successful and everybody just assumed they're going to plug that right in. But you know, there, there's some things that they need to do, I think, to protect some of those big distributors that everybody's been getting cards from for years and to protect the little guys, you know, the card shops and the dealers and the card shows. And uh, hopefully they'll do that and um, everybody will come out looking good in this and everybody will be happy and it'll be great for the future. So we'll see. We'll see. I know time will tell. We're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. They are the voice of the hobby. They have been around forever. Uh, great magazine. They're also online at sportscollectorsdigest.com. Jeff, um, you know, one of the things that's really reared its ugly head in the last, you know, couple of weeks, honestly, is, is the, all the uh, the underbelly of the hobby, right? The scam stuff, the recent ar arrests in Dallas, uh, you know, Logan Paul opening the fake case of Pokemon cards, um, you know, all sorts of kind of stuff that comes along with all the money that's, that's come into the hobby. Um, are you guys going to focus the, uh, a little more on some, some of that newsworthy stuff in, in your uh, publication and online? Yeah, we will a little bit. Uh, yeah. Ha we have to be a little careful with that stuff because some of it, um, it it's very difficult to figure out what really happened. And uh, you got to be a little careful uh, the, the deal in Dallas is a perfect example. You know, uh, there were accusations that, that a couple of, uh, dealers were selling fake cards and, uh, accusations that they had been doing this at some other shows over the past several months. And, uh, they made a big deal out of it there in Dallas and a couple of guys got arrested. And, um, and then all these videos cropped up with people talking about what happened and, uh, you know, and then there, there were some videos that said these cards weren't fake. So you just, you just, these kind of situations are, are very difficult 
to cover uh, as a media outlet because you're trusting people to tell you what happened when they may not know what happened. And a lot of stuff gets sort of blown out of proportion. I'm not saying that happened in any of these incidents, but it's very difficult to cover something like that because the last thing you want to do is to come out and falsely accuse somebody. And you got to make absolutely sure that there was some fraud or a scam involved in this. And that's very difficult to prove. And that's one reason the hobby has has uh, dealt with this problem for years. This is not new. This has been going on. In fact, the other night I was researching, I was doing looking at some of the videos that came out uh, about the fraud and the, the scam and the, the alleged incident at the Dallas card show. And I only got into a few videos and all of a sudden I'm seeing the exact same story happen six months ago at the Dallas card show. And it happened last year too, maybe not to this extent, but it's happening all the time. And you're right. That's a very, very unfortunate part of the hobby, but I think that's what happens when you have this much money uh, coming into the industry, like it has over the past year or so Uh, people get greedy and there's going to be bad characters trying to scam people and make money. There's so the prices are so high. There's so much money out there to be made um, that it opens the door uh, for unsavory characters and, and people like that to come in and take advantage of people. And uh, it, it's happening in different ways. We we saw the card scam at the at the Dallas show that we talked we're talking about, but you also had this deal where. Um, the group submissions, you know, with PSA, that this company, this card company was taking in group submissions and, and sending them into PSA. And then the cards started to come back and they couldn't pay the bill. They'd spent the money. They couldn't pay the bill. And all of a sudden they go out of business and declare bankruptcy. And, and PSA is stuck with what to do with all these cards that they haven't, some they've graded someone they haven't, but they haven't been paid for. So you know, a lot of people are jumping into the hobby and some people are jumping in over their head and you start throwing this kind of money around. Unfortunately, things like this are going to happen. And, it, and it, it's a black eye on the hobby. Um, and it's something that needs to be addressed and cleaned up. But unfortunately, I, you know, when you got this much money changing hands, stuff like that's going to happen. Yeah, and I think the, the uh, legislature and the uh, authorities need some type of law to protect the consumer on this because, you know, you guys did a great expose on the forgeries in the autograph market early in the year. And that was one of the points that the guy who was, you know, a career criminal quote unquote, and he went into forging autographs because there was no, there was no uh, fear or very little fear of repercussion. And uh, I, I think the authorities, you know, jumping on this Dallas case one way or the other, hopefully that, sends a message to the people that are thinking about getting involved in the, this, uh, this, this way of, of, of cheating the collector, I guess. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, but I think it, it, it's certainly a positive step. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, one good thing is that, you know, the FBI now has a division that, that tracks this stuff and they investigate it. And, uh, um, there's, there's a couple FBI agents that's been in the hobby. We, we, they were at the national roaming around and, uh, and, and they're very in tune to what's going on. I think that's good. Uh, the hobby has a lot of really 
good experts that can spot fakes and, um, and determine if something is a fake or not. Um, and I think you're right. I think incidents like this happening is just going to draw more attention to the problem. Uh, it's going to alert law enforcement and it's going to make people like the FBI to ramp it up a little bit. And uh, maybe we do get to a point where there is some legislation to, to uh, you know, curb this and protect people a little bit more. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's going to continue to happen a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, it's going to take some law enforcement and, and some, um, you know, maybe even some government intervention uh, to stop this sort of thing, because, uh, you know, when you got that much money in the hobby, you know, people are going to take chances and take risk and uh, stuff like this is going to happen. But, you know, the more the good, the other good thing is, is that there's enough people paying attention now. You know, there, yep. there's far more people than Sports Collectors Digest and you and I covering this industry now. There's tons of YouTubers. There's tons of people on uh, Instagram and, and all other forms of social media. There's more national media writing about the hobby now. Um, so the more exposure it gets, the more people are going to cover these sorts of incidents. And that in itself is also going to, you know, hopefully serve as a as a deterrent a little bit. Well, you've added some great content, new content to the site and to the magazine. You have the Sports Collectors Hall of Fame, which you added, which was really cool. You have a lot more content on uh, on athletes, athletes that are collectors. Uh, what are some of the new plans that you have for the magazine and, and the site for 2023? Well, right. I think we're going to, you know, continue to try to um, strike a good balance uh, between, uh, you know, news and, and, and trendy issues and, uh, the important issues in the sport or in the sport, I keep calling it a sport, the hobby. Uh, it is a sport to us. It's, uh, it's sure. a huge sport. And, uh, but, um, you know, I, I think we want to stay on top of all the stuff that's happening because there's a lot of big developments going on all the time. Uh, we want to stay on top of that. We want to, um, keep talking to the people in the industry and, and getting to the core of these issues and put stories out there that really inform hobbyists uh, about, you know, the changes in the hobby and the latest trends and what they mean. We want to stay on top of that. Uh, that's been probably our biggest initiative. I think since I came on board is trying to do a little bit more of that, but also in doing that, you know, we want to uh, continue uh, to strike a balance between the collectors, you know, who have these great, uh, stories to tell about their own collection or stuff they like or experiences they've had. Uh, we want to keep chasing the great finds. Uh, there, there, you know, there's collectors always, uh, these days coming up with great finds and, uh, they're going to the auction houses and putting these incredible cards and memorabilia on the auction block. And, and the auction houses are doing a great job and making a ton of money selling this stuff. So we want to keep covering that. Uh, keep the collector on in mind and keep uh, telling the stories of those guys. Um, and then we want to, you know, one thing I think we've always done that, that I really enjoy a lot is uh, covering the history of the sports, uh, the old stuff. You know, we've had such icons on the cover this year as, you know, Roger Maris and Joe DiMaggio and Roberto Clemente and Pee Wee Reese, uh, Tom Brady, uh, our latest issue coming out uh, in a few days has got a marvelous story in it, uh, the cover story on Jim Kelly. 
uh, and the impact he still has in Buffalo and his impact on Josh Allen. Uh, we love telling stories like that, the history of sports. Uh, there's not a lot of publications these days who are diving into the history anymore. It's hard to find that stuff. And of course, the history of those guys, the great legends of the sport, um, translates right into the hobby. You know, those are your vintage cards that people are collecting. Uh, so we want to tell the story behind those athletes that are on those vintage cards. So that's a big thing that we got going. Um, we've hooked up with a writer that, that a lot of people around the hobby know a guy named Tony Reed who, who writes for some other websites. He does a great job at tracking down some of these iconic athletes and, and just having a chat with them and, and doing kind of an interview. And here recently we've had ones on, uh, Burt Blylevin, a uh, great interview with him. Uh, we had one with Denny McLean, who was fantastic. Uh, Dave Parker was in our last, uh, issue. So, uh, we want to keep doing that too, you know, catch up with, uh, the living hall of famers and, uh, the immortals of sports and this hobby and, uh, and just give readers a, a feel for what those guys are like, what they're doing these days. And, uh, you know, I, I always love to see us asking questions to athletes like that about what it was like the first time they saw their face on a baseball card uh, and what it's like to sign autographs and the craziest encounter you've ever had with a fan. Uh, I don't think you can get enough of stuff like that because every one of those guys has a story to tell. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of that. We want to continue that and uh, just keep having fun uh, covering this awesome hobby. That, that's our goal. And uh, if we can do that and, and entertain and inform our readers, then uh, I think we're doing a good job. Well, we're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. They are the voice of the hobby. Uh, Jeff, there's a lot of external things uh, that affect a player's value or a player's interest in the hobby. Well, what do you see with this baseball lock, lockout? How do you think that it's going to affect the hobby short-term and, and perhaps in the long-term if this thing goes on for any extended period of time? Yeah, I, I think it's going to hurt a little bit right now. I mean, we've seen some uh, we've seen some of the hot cards over the past couple of years kind of go down in value a little bit here lately. Um, I think a lot of that has got to do with the hobby just sort of resetting and correcting itself after – reaching these, you know, unprecedented highs. Uh, but I do think the lockouts got a little bit to do with that in baseball, you know, people, um, when there's nothing going on, when there's no baseball talk, except the CBA, you know, there's no free agent signings. There's no stories about the players. There's, you know, maybe no spring training or at least right when it's supposed to start. Um, it, it, it's sort of like out of sight, out of mind, you know, um, you know, if they're not talking about it, people tend to forget about it a little bit. And that's going to push. They're not, that means they're not going to be buying. They're not going to be flipping cards. They're not going to be investing. And that's going to make it go down a little bit. So I think we're seeing maybe a little bit of that uh, with baseball right now. But uh, I think once they get this thing resolved and um, they're ready to hit the field again, then I think card values will start going right back up. Uh, people will be excited again and uh, they'll be looking for those hot cards and prospects and they'll start spending money again. We've had a bunch of guys get elected into the baseball hall of fame. Do you see kind of that hall of fame effect of uh, increased interest or, or renewed interest in, you know, David Ortiz and Gil Hodges and Jim Cott and Manny Minosa, Tony Lever, those guys, do you, do you see that um, affecting uh, people's interest in, in players uh, of that ilk? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think we're getting, I think we're seeing it with, uh, with Ortiz already, uh, the, the fascinating story with him. And I'm sure you, you know, this being a Red Sox fan and they're in Boston, but you know, when, when his rookie card came out, it wasn't David Ortiz. It was another guy that, that a lot of people <laughs> don't even know who that was. It was David Arias. You know, he was the guy who first was drafted by the Seattle Mariners and, and played for the Minnesota Twins. And, and when he got to Minnesota, he changed his name to David Ortiz. Uh, but his rookie card still says David Arias. And uh, we took a look at that last week and did a little story on that. But, uh, you know, as soon as he was elected, yeah, his card started going up. Um, not tremendously. But a little bit, they went up a few hundred dollars. I think they went up for his rookie card went up from about a hundred or two hundred bucks, and all of a sudden it shot up to about six hundred. I saw some as much as nine hundred, uh, and I think as we go out through the year and we get closer to the induction ceremonies, I think they're going to go even higher. Uh, I think we're going to see the Jim Cott cards sell for a lot of money. Uh, Minosa, Oliva, I think all those guys will see a, a really nice spike uh, by getting into the hall of fame. And, uh, we've had, we've seen probably the greatest NFL playoffs in the last, uh, three weeks, right. These playoff games have been fantastic. Right. Uh, you know, here in the Northeast, it was, it was during a snowstorm. So everyone was home watching the games. Um, do you see anyone really getting a big bump from their performance on the field uh, oh, in the NFL okay. playoffs? Yeah, Joe Burrow, no question about it. His card has been soaring all year long. Uh, it's been going up, and it just keeps going up. You know, it's up to thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars now, depending on the card. You know, if you get a patch auto, you're talking about a forty, fifty thousand dollar card, maybe more. Uh, just keeps going up, and and we we actually had a story about that that we did right before uh, the playoffs even started, and it talked about the fact that. You know, Brady's still king, but here comes Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes' card has been skyrocketing for the last year. You know, we saw one of those sell for $4.3 million uh, during the National back in July. Uh, but Burrow has been really, really hot. Um, he's going to get even hotter now, uh, leading his team to the Super Bowl. I'm really interested to see what the Matthew Stafford cards are going to do because that's a guy who's had a really quiet – but very, very productive career. And I don't even know what his rookie card is worth. Uh, I have no idea. I, I haven't even looked it up, um, but I'm sure it's not much because we never hear about it. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see what this does for him. Um, the other guy who has seen a tremendous spike um, and that's still going up is Josh Allen. Uh, his card has gone way up in the past three or four months. Uh, it's well into five figures now, up around thirty, forty thousand uh, dollars. I think it's going to continue to go up. And uh, but you're right; these playoffs have been fantastic, and we've seen some uh, some new great quarterbacks enter the picture. You know, with Allen and uh, and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and some of those guys. And uh, I, I definitely think their their cards. You know, quarterback is where it is in football. You know, if you got that. If you if you're going to collect a football player, you know you're after those quarterbacks and those quarterback rookie cards, and uh, I think guys like Burrow and Allen are just going to continue to go up. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Ready? No, no spread. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Boy, what a question. Uh, I mean, the Bengals are a huge underdog, and and you know 
it'd be incredible to see them finish this, this thing off. I'm going to go with the Rams, though. Uh, I think they're hot. I think they have one of the best defenses in the league, and I think they got a shot at maybe uh, maybe not stopping Joe Burrow, but throttling him a little bit. Uh, and that defense makes some big plays. And I love the way Matthew Stafford is playing. Uh, I love the way that uh, Odell Beckham has what he has added to that team. That's another guy who I think is going to, you're going to see a spike in his cards too, uh, particularly if he does well in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think the Rams pull this out. I think that home field advantage is going to help them a lot. And uh, I, I think they're going to win it. Yeah. I mean, I think this might honestly be the coming out for Cooper Cup. You know, he's had a great year, but I think the nation is going to kind of figure out, finally figure out that this guy's a, a stud because he yeah. is. Unbelievable. He's having a great year. And then on Cincinnati's side, I think Chase is, is a is, you know, he's had a great season as well. Like maybe the, the Super Bowl of wide receivers and not necessarily the quarterbacks, but the Cincinnati offensive line could be the the difference. Yeah. The the lack of offensive line. Yeah, and Cincinnati's defense played great. You know, you don't see many teams hold the Chiefs to three points in the second half. So they really stepped up too. And uh, you know, I think you're right about uh uh, those wide this has been a great year for young wide receivers you know cup uh chase you mentioned my favorite uh is a guy that i covered for three years in college and that's debo samuel um he actually grew up uh in the town uh next to where i grew up and uh when i was a kid uh i'm much older than he is obviously but uh it's been fun watching him you know i covered debo for three years at the university of south carolina and he is doing right now what he did in college. But I don't think anybody had any idea that he could be a wide receiver and a running back and throw touchdown passes and do all those things. Uh, but he certainly looks like a guy, along with Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase and some of these other guys, those look like superstars in the making that are going to be around for a long time. So those are also some rookie cards you could, probably should keep an eye on. Yeah, I like Justin Jefferson from Minnesota. I think he is he's going to be there for the long haul and if he gets a quarterback watch out. Yeah. Yeah, and there's others that that really didn't blow up this year, but you got all those wide receivers that have come out of Alabama the past few years. Yep. Jalen Waddle started to shine a little bit. DeVonta Smith did. Uh and now we got more coming this year and uh you know, that's a position that's almost come becoming um you know, more valuable in a sense than your running backs because running backs, you know, are kind of, you know, almost a dime a dozen now, you know, teams are plugging in a different running back every week because they get hurt all the time. Uh, but these wide receivers have a little bit more staying power and uh, we're seeing just like quarterbacks, we're seeing a new group of great wide receivers enter the NFL right now. And uh, those guys are going to be fun to watch for a long time. So yeah, how about in basketball? Is there anyone that you really like, uh, you know, coming up in basketball for from an investment standpoint? I know everyone's on into ball, and he he he's the 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 flavor of the month right now. But um, is there anyone that you really looking at for in the NBA? Yeah, you know, I'm a big Lamelo Ball fan. Um, you know, I, I'm right here in Charlotte. I follow the Hornets. I see him play a lot. Um, his card just continues to climb. And I think he's been the biggest star of the last year or so. Um, Trace, uh, the, the dude at Atlanta, uh, Trey Young is also, Young, sure. yeah, he's going up a lot. Uh, Ja Morant, you know, he, he continues to be there. Um, I think those are the young guys that, that, uh, have sort of, um, 
spiked over the past year and continue to be there. Anthony Edwards is another one who uh, continues to get better and better. Um, and that's fun to watch every year. You have new rookies coming into the league every year. I think last year, the, the last two classes have been, just been incredible uh, with those guys we talked about coming in. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if these next couple of draft classes uh, can equal that. You know, we need to get Zion Williamson back on the court. You know, his car really, really spiked and went up to, to incredible numbers there, but he keeps getting hurt. Uh, so that's hurting his value a little bit, but uh, a lot of great young players coming along and, and that's going to be fun for collectors for a while. From a, a collecting standpoint, you know, cards have always been, been king, right? Everyone wants cards, basketball cards and, and football cards have seen a huge jump. Um, do you see any other collectibles, you know, sports collectibles uh, gaining interest from your readership? We're seeing a lot of jerseys uh, going right now. Now that's always been big, but it seems like we're getting a lot of really incredible pieces in terms of jerseys and shoes. Um, we had a, a pair of Michael Jordan shoes just a couple of days ago from uh, the 1985 season when he broke his foot and he missed almost the whole year. Um, he gave those shoes he was wearing the night he got hurt um, to someone there. I don't remember exactly who it was, but they got, they were in the same family since 1985 and they just went up to auction and they sold at Leland's for $422,000. Uh, I thought that was pretty incredible. Um, there's a Jersey out there right now, uh, a Mickey Mantle Jersey that heritage auction has, uh, it is the Jersey that was worn by Mickey Mantle in his very last game. And it was also worn, uh, two weeks prior to that for the infamous, infamous moment when Mickey Mantle uh, faced Denny McClain and Denny McClain uh, decided, you know, we know this is Mickey Mantle's last year. This is the last time I'm ever going to face him. So he calls the catcher out and says, I'm going to groove him a fastball right down the middle, let him know and tell him to hit it as far as he can. And of course, Mantle just slugged it into the upper deck. Uh, for his next to last home run, which passed Jimmy Fox for third on the all-time list. Uh, I love seeing stuff like that come up for auction. That jersey is now out there. There's no telling what it's going to go for. It's going to top a million dollars easy. But we're seeing a lot more stuff like that. Really cool. You, you know, jerseys and shoes are always out there. But it seems like uh, the auction houses and the photo matching companies are doing a much better job now of authenticating these pieces and making some really historic pieces very, very valuable. Uh, we're seeing a lot of Michael Jordan pieces, a lot of Mantle. Um, those things, I think, are big. And the other thing that's taken off right now is tickets, uh, particularly debut tickets from star athletes. We've seen Tom Brady's debut ticket soar. Uh, there's a ticket now. Uh, saw something a little while ago from Heritage. They have a ticket uh, from Michael Jordan's debut game. No telling what that's going to go for. Uh, so it seems like tickets are really hot right now, and we're seeing a lot of those crop up in the auction houses. So it's um, a lot of good stuff out there. It's not just cards. I think the memorabilia is going for record prices as well, and uh, that's also something to keep an eye on, and that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of history there. You know, those when you get into game worn shoes and game worn jerseys and stuff like that, 
um, there's, there's a tremendous story behind every one of those pieces. And, uh, I find that stuff fascinating. Now, how about something that's not tangible? These, these NFTs, if you, if your reader has been asking you to focus on the NFT market, I mean, it's a huge investment potential possibility. Uh, have you, have you heard a lot from your readers that they want to learn more about NFTs? You know, that's a tough question because they're taking off. There's no question about it, that there is a market for it. But I believe that market right now is primarily your younger people. Mm -hmm. uh, our readers, you know, we've been around a long time and a lot of our, our magazine audience is a little bit older, certainly than our website um, and some of the other social media spots out there. Um, our readers don't care about NFTs. <laughs> That's what we're hearing from them. They don't care. Uh, it doesn't make sense to them. Uh, it's intimidating. Uh, and it's hard to wrap your mind around. You know, why would you pay that much money for a video highlight clip? Um, I don't get it. I'm I don't get to, it either. Jeff, I, I don't get it either. But you and I are in the, the old fogey uh, yeah, right. market now, you know? Right. You know, I'm trying to learn about it. Um, I had a great uh, session at the National in July uh, with the, the TOPS people who do their NFTs. Uh, I talked to them for about 30, 40 minutes and tried to learn some from it. And I've talked to other people. I've talked to companies that are diving into it. And we get uh, we get pitches and, and press releases all the time from uh, NFT companies wanting us to write about it. And um I'll do my best to put something up there online, but I don't, I don't get it either. Um, <laughs> and I don't know whether it has staying power or not. It's certainly doing well, you know, it's caught on. Um, and I think the young people are really into it. Um, you know, the, the people who love the cryptocurrency and all that stuff and, uh, uh, they're into it. Uh, but like you said, it's, it's a little over my head and, uh, I'm a little too old for that right now. And, uh, and <laughs> you I think, and, both, my friend. and I think most of your traditional, you know, pure old school collectors are kind of the same way. They just, it's just one of those technologies that you don't understand. And, uh, and we've got, you know, you've seen our magazine. We, we've got uh, ads in our magazine from dealers have been doing this for 50 and 60 years. And a lot of those guys don't even want to be online. They want to put their ad in our magazine yep. and they want, they want to reach their customers the old fashioned way. Um, is that a smart strategy? I don't know. Maybe not. Right. They've been around for 50 years though. Right. So that's right. They've been there forever <laughs> and they're happy doing what they're doing and they're still making some coin on it. And um, you know, they're resistant to change. Uh, and I think there, there's a lot of people in the hobby that way, you know, there's, you know, that that's a very interesting dynamic right now is that you've got still a ton of old school collectors who've been doing this for 50 and 60 years. And, and in, in fact, one of the things I hope people will check out, um, we had a two part series in our last two magazines about the pioneers of the hobby, the guys that started this back in the all the way back to the 1910, 1920s, uh, the people who started the hobby and the guy that wrote it for us tells a great story about how they, they searched for cards back in those days. You know, there were no 
There was no internet, you know, there was no social media. They had to write letters to other collectors and uh, try to find them any way they can. And, and reading about how they communicated and how they sold cards and how they traded cards and how they would meet up at shows. And they're the ones who started this whole game. And to hear how they did it is fascinating to me. But you still have a lot of people in the hobby who are older collectors who've been around forever. And they're a little bit, they love what's going on right now, but it's a little overwhelming to them. And, and a lot of them want to kind of stick to the old ways. And then, and then the flip side of that, you got all these new people entering the hobby, which is fantastic. That's great for the hobby. You got all these kids who are into it. Um, you know, I've been communicating now with some of my daughter's uh, high school friends who are collectors and that's just mind boggling to me, but, but it's a thing, you know, they're, the kids are into it and that's the next generation. So, uh, if they like flipping cards and spending a bunch of money and buying NFTs, more power to them because they're the future. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're speaking with Jeff Owens, Jeff is editor of sports collectors digest. They, it is the voice of the hobby. Jeff, why don't you let people know how they can find you guys on, uh, online and social media and, and all this cutting edge stuff that you and I barely know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's real easy. Just go to sports collectors, digest.com, uh, right at the top. We've got a, uh, we've got tons of great stuff on the website, but right at the top, uh, there's a subscription button you can hit. Uh, tell you how to subscribe to the magazine. Um, we come out 18 times a year. Uh, there's some months you'll get two magazines. Uh, some months you'll get one big magazine. Uh, so we're still out there doing the print publication. It's going really well. Very easy to, to subscribe, uh, to just go to our website. Uh, there's a, there's a phone number there. There's a subscription button where you can sign up online. Uh, we're also on Facebook. At Sports Collectors Digest, uh, Twitter, uh, we're on there. Uh, SCD Magazine on Twitter, uh, and we're I'm working hard uh, with this new generation to create our first Instagram account. So uh, uh, that's coming. I'm getting my 15 uh, year old daughter to help me with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're uh, we're doing that. So we'll be on there very soon. And uh, so we got a lot of great things going on. And uh, we'd love to have uh, all the collectors and hobbyists out there check us out. Right. And you guys have a free newsletter. You can just subscribe to the free newsletter. Just go on, go on the website and you can subscribe. It's a monthly newsletter, correct? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, it's a weekly newsletter. Weekly, okay. Uh, we put it out every Thursday uh, at four o'clock. It comes out. Uh, our subscri subscriptions for that uh, has doubled in the last year. It's really gone up. So a lot of people are checking that out. We put about uh, five or six stories from our website on there. Uh, the other thing that has been just phenomenal for us in the last year is, uh, I mean, you know, as well as I do, there are so many new card shows out there all over the country, uh, everywhere. And, and we do a show calendar uh, where people send us their <clears throat> dates and all the information for their shows. And we list them on our website. We also run a section on that in every single magazine. And there is no part of our business that has grown more than that in the past two years. Uh, I, I don't know how many hundreds and thousands of shows are in our show calendar, but uh, it's a lot. And I, I probably get anywhere from six to 12 emails a day from people wanting us to add their shows. Uh, and there's, there's dealers who have put shows in there for the entire year. 
uh, you can go to your state and you can look and there'll be shows there from right now, from February 1st, all the way through December. And, uh, and you can find shows in every state and all over the country. So, uh, check that out. That that's a, a great thing that we have. And, uh, man, it's unbelievable how many new card shows are out there. Um, there's, I was at one this past weekend and, and there's one almost everywhere you turn, there's a new one almost every weekend. And you also have an op, uh, a thing that readers or potential readers can get a free issue, right? They get their first issue free to try it, check out the magazine. That's correct. Yeah. If you subscribe, you can get a, a an issue for free. We also have a, uh, we also do digital issues as well. If you're into that, if you'd rather see a, a digital copy of the magazine instead of the traditional print copy, we do a digital edition. And uh, if anybody wants to drop me an email, uh, I'll be glad to send them a free digital copy so they can take a look at it and see what it's like. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll be interested in subscribing. But uh, we got some good deals going on, not very expensive, and uh, I promise you it's worth it. Jeff, why don't you give out your email address just in case someone has a question for you or they want to give you a suggestion or, or uh, actually get the free digital issue. Yeah, I'm at Owens at aimmedia, aimmedia.com. All right, great. Well, Jeff, thank you. It was great catching up with you, learning a little about what's going planned for 2022. Again, this is Jeff Owens from Editor from Sports Collectors Digest, and uh, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Enjoy it. Always All a pleasure. Right. Well, Drew, we did it. We finished another show. We we are we are just cranking along. I, I just love talking with you, talking TTM, talking collect collecting. I've been getting a lot of uh, feedback from listeners. I really appreciate it, guys. You know, keep up sending the emails and uh, sending uh, text line. Our email is what's true. Drew, what's our email? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. Or you can text us at our text line, which is 978-729-0662. We really love to hear the feedback, even though if Drew's uh, PR people keep sending, you know, keep Drew, keep Drew. The show's great with Drew. We'll (laughs) we'll take that with a grain of salt. But uh, it's, uh, you know, we we love uh, fair criticism. And, you know, we we know we're not perfect, but we, we, you know, we want to give you guys the best show every week. Uh, you know, if you want to make sure uh, that you know what's going on in the hobby, keep you informed, let you know what's going on in TTM. We just love talking uh, TTM and collecting, and hopefully uh, our passion is shared by you guys. Please let people know what we're doing. You know, our, our uh, listenership is going up and up and up every every week, and we really appreciate appreciate that. So spread the word. We want to thank uh, Jeff Owens from Sports Collectors Digest for joining the show. It was fabulous to talk to him. Go to sportscollectorsdigest.com to learn more about Sports Collectors Digest and how you can sign up for the uh, their free newsletter and get a digital issue and all sorts of stuff. So check it out, sportscollectorsdigest.com. We also want to thank Ryan Nolan from, uh, I always miss this one, uh, Breakout Cards. He's on Breakout Cards on YouTube. He has a brand new book. It's called Spotting Fakes. It's available on Amazon. It's a 188-page book. The book is less than $20. It's really a great book. So check it out. Uh, you can just put in Amazon and Amazon, put in Ryan Nolan or Spotting Fakes and you can uh, order his book. Um, I know he's had, I think it's only been out for a couple of weeks and he's on, uh, already over 500 copies sold. So um, it, it's really a, a really good book. I got a, co- I got a, a digital copy of it. It's fantastic. Um, if you want to enter our contest, we're giving away 
one blaster box tops 2022 series one blaster box all you have to do drew what do you have to do to enter the contest that'd be uh emails it's at uh, ttmcast at yahoo.com with your super bowl predictions give us a score the winner don't go over though keep it under we're going prices right rules on this whole thing so uh get that in right there and see how close you can get yep enter once only please guys and we will take all entries um timed the prior to kickoff of the Super Bowl, which is next week, which I can't believe. Very, very much looking forward to it. Drew, I know your band got canceled this weekend. Hopefully yep. you get to play. You play next week. Uh, no, we do have a show coming up at the end of February, though. We're going to be playing a uh, benefit concert. Our uh, bass player has a couple of friends who ended up with some uh, significant metal, medical bills recently. So trying to help out with those a little bit. And then we're going to be playing another show at the same place we were supposed to be playing this first one at the end of March, I believe. So uh, we've got at least two things coming up. So we'll, we're keeping busy at least. Very cool. I'm going to the Cranston, Rhode Island uh, card show this weekend, and I will report back next week. And uh, I'll post some of my, my takes on my, my pickups on social media. You can follow me at TTM cast on Instagram. I am at cast TTM on Twitter and we are at uh, TTM cast on Facebook. Drew, why don't you give your YouTube address again? Cause you just posted a new YouTube. Yep. That's uh, youtube.com slash Drew Pelto. You can also find me on, uh, you can find a link straight to it from uh, my website. You can also find info on my Instagram and Twitter. That's at dfwgrapher.com. You can find also the uh, Instagram and Twitter easily enough at dfwgrapher. So there you go. Find me there and uh, check out what I've got going on. All right, Drew, I think we're all set patting ourselves on the back and promoting all our stuff. <laughs> Guys, we are, we, we are here to do this. We, we, love, we love doing it. We want to support our friends and support the hobby. So please uh, check, out, check out all the stuff what we mentioned and uh, you know, keep on collecting. Next week, we have president of anylot.com, Barack Adudon, uh, and he will be talking about his brand new site, anylot.com, which is free. Um, I think that is it. I am going to, uh, we will wrap up the show officially wishing everyone many happy returns and we'll see you next week. Have a good week.